What if a few minutes today would greatly affect the results you'd get from a critical meeting next week? A lot of us would make that investment, but what's the best thing to do? On this episode, the critical steps to planning a meeting that will help you get far better results. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 358. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. One of the key competencies that almost every leader, I actually think I can say every leader, needs to have is how to facilitate, plan, and follow up on meetings. We all need to handle meetings. We are all in meetings on somewhat of a regular basis, if not many times daily. It's one of those topics that uh, is ever-present in the professional work that most of us do, and yet most of us have never received any formal training on how to facilitate meetings effectively. I am so glad today that our guest has an expertise in this is going to help us to do a better job at facilitating meetings so they can be effective and engaging, and most importantly, so we can get the benefit out of them that we expect. My guest today is Mamie Canfer-Stewart. She is the founder and CEO of Meteor, a global venture providing meeting management solutions. Through consulting and technology, Meteor enables teams and organizations to develop a healthy and productive meeting culture. She's also the author, along with Tai Sao of the book Momentum, Creating Effective, Engaging, and Enjoyable Meetings. Maybe I'm so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I got to come clean with you, Mamie. We've known each other now for five or six months, and I haven't shared this with you yet. But when Tai first sent me the book, I wasn't that excited about reading it. <laughs> and the reason, oh, no. <laughs> the reason is, you know, full confession, I was like, meetings? I don't know. It's not going to be that exciting a book because it's about meetings and meetings aren't exciting. And as I got into it, I was realizing how much we all miss on meeting management principles. And, and, and it's just not something most of us have learned, is it? Exactly. That's why we wrote the book. And meetings are actually a lot of fun and really interesting when you dissect them and take them apart and kind of think about all of the pieces that are at play. But most of us just never have an opportunity to learn about it. And I agree, most books around meetings, not the kind of thing you just want to pick up for fun and read on a random Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that wasn't the case with your book. Um, As I got in, I realized, wow, there's a lot here that is very practical. And I think that that's the piece that a lot of us struggle with in that we've seen, we've all seen a lot of meetings, but we've never really stopped to be intentional, most of us, about how we're planning meetings. And one of the the sentences that probably leapt off the page for me in the book is, the most fundamental and essential element to a productive meeting is the desired outcome. Tell us more about that. It's one of my favorite and most often talked about topic because in meetings, we are kind of trained or like the natural way of thinking is to say, why are we having this meeting? And if somebody asks you why, the answer is usually something like, 
to review, to discuss, to brainstorm, to whatever. And when you think about whether a meeting is successful, if you're judging it based on to something, it's really hard to know if it was a productive meeting. Did you have a discussion? Yes. But was it a useful discussion? Did you brainstorm? Great. But did you get what you needed out of it? So when you shift your mind from thinking about verbs and to something to nouns around outcomes, now you actually have a way to be super clear about the reason this meeting needs to happen and what you want to achieve. So we call it a desired outcome because it really focuses on what is it that you desire this outcome of this meeting to be. Yeah, that really was an interesting point to me of you advising all of us to start with a noun and not a verb. And I, I think I have a good sense of what you mean by that, but I'm, I'm wondering if maybe you could give us an example of what does it normally sound like? And then what does it sound like if we're framing it in a more constructive way? So if you think about a problem-solving meeting, right, you might say that the reason we're having this meeting is to figure out what to do about this problem. And that's not a bad way to think about the meeting, right? You're, you're saying kind of we have a reason to meet. But if you're going to judge whether the meeting was productive, it's much more helpful to say at the end of this meeting, we will have a solution. A solution is a noun. It's a tangible, you know, quote, tangible thing rather than we'll our action of, is figuring it out. So we're focusing on the outcome rather than the action. Yeah, and so there's a whole bunch of reasons that are coming up for me that you would want to do this is one, you get clarity for yourself if you're the meeting organizer of what you want to accomplish because then the actions precipitate from that, right? So if you know that the goal, for example, is to get the budget set for next quarter, then that would dictate what kind of actions happen. But the other thing I'm hearing you say too is if you are clear on what the desired outcome should be for a meeting, then it also has gives that clarity to everyone else in that meeting too so that they know where you're heading and they can start thinking that way as well. Absolutely. But I want to go back to what you just said about setting the goal as the budget for next quarter. Even the idea of having a meeting to set the budget, I would say is not a great way to think about your meeting. Because again, we're talking about an action. The, the action would be setting the budget. But does that budget need to be approved? Does there need to be a vote on it? It's a really different way, and it gets into the nuance, but it's a different way to think about it as at the end of the meeting, we will have agreed, we'll have agreement on the new budget, which is different than having put together a new budget. So it could be that you have to be you know, very particular when you're thinking about this. And that's what allows you as the meeting planner to really think through what should we be doing in the meeting and how should I structure the agenda? And for a participant to really understand, is this a good use of my time? And what do I need to do to prepare? And what's my mindset coming in? Am I coming into a meeting in which we're just going to be talking through budget ideas? Or am we coming into a meeting where we're going to have to vote at the end? So we need to be coming to some conclusion. Am I just here to listen? And if that's the case, why do I need to be here? Oh, this is really good coaching uh, for me. So thinking about that now and some of those words of what actually we're trying to achieve, what what can we do if we're, again, in this role of meeting organizer to check ourselves to make sure we have that kind of clarity? Is there something that helps us to get a sense of like, okay, yeah, I, I, I've really made this clear for people? So the general approach 
is to make sure you're using a noun or a tangible thing. And secondly, to use it as a way to test if the meeting was a good use of time. So if you ask yourself, if we do this, if we accomplish this in the meeting, will we be successful? So if you've written your desired outcome as something like to plan the next steps for the project, you could then at the end of the meeting, you know, in theory, ask yourselves, was this a productive meeting? Did we plan the next steps? Mm. And you might be able to say, yes, we got a few next steps clarified. That could be helpful. But it would be even better if you said the outcome of this meeting is to have a clear plan for the next three months. Now you can really say at the end of the meeting, did you develop a clear plan and is everybody aligned on it? So do we have our plan for the next three months? So the more particular, the more precise you can be on your desired outcome, the easier it is to know. And you can ask that question even before you've had the meeting, right? You can ask it as part of your planning process when you're thinking through the desired outcome. Am I stating it as a noun? Am I being as precise and as clear and as detailed as possible? Will we know that we're successful at the end of this meeting if we've accomplished this? And you had a number in that one too. So it's really a lot easier for everyone in that room to identify at the end of that conversation, did we hit this for the next three months or do we only have two months of plan and do we need to set another meeting, right? Exactly. And I say the same thing about brainstorming meetings. Instead of just saying that you want to have a list of you know, potential ideas, it's much more helpful to say, we want to have a list of five ideas for further exploration, or we want a list of 20 ideas that would work with budget and timeline constraints, or we want a list of a hundred ideas from, you know, as wacky and as wild as we can get them. Whatever, the, again, the more specific you can be in that outcome, the better you can plan your meeting to achieve the outcome and the better people can come in prepared to engage and help you get to that outcome. Oh, yeah, this is great because I'm, I'm thinking about this in the context, context maybe of soft skills too, of Oftentimes, people will say, well, I'm working on a professional development plan for one of my employees, and they need to get better at, well, let's just use meetings as an example. They need to get better at managing a meeting, but I can't quantify that. How am I going to coach someone because I can't quantify that? And and almost always, there's something that can be quantified of say, hey, let's uh, at every meeting take five minutes to sit back and listen. And you put on the stopwatch for yourself that you've spent five minutes just letting other people talk, something like that. There's almost always a way to quantify it. And I'm hearing you use that same thinking now toward the outcome of the meaning of even if it's very maybe undefined, like brainstorming, for example, you can quantify a very clear outcome. So it's apparent to everyone that this was a good use of time. Exactly. The hardest one to, out, to have that kind of metric around. I guess there's probably two. One is around alignment meetings and the other is around connection meetings. And I'll talk about each of those separately. So alignment meetings for us are meetings where people are trying to get that shared understanding around complex or high stakes information. So a lot of teams have weekly meetings where they get together and they do the kind of go around of what's going on and they're really not very helpful. And in theory, what they're actually trying to do is get alignment. They're trying to say, we need to make sure everybody's on the same page on this work. It's just that the structure of the meeting isn't really getting there. What ends up happening is it becomes an information sharing meeting. And information sharing is usually not a good reason to have a meeting. 
if it's just straight up information that's not complicated, that people don't need to be bought into, that's really just an FYI, you should send an email or write a memo or have a dashboard or some other way to communicate. Meetings are only one form of communication and we can't use meetings to solve all of our communication problems. But if the meeting is really about how do we get true alignment on the multiple pieces of that are moving where there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of nuance in how what one work stream is doing with another and we really need to make sure that, that nothing's falling through the cracks and people are really on top of it, then it's an alignment meeting. Now, measuring the outcome of that is more complicated. It's not as easy to say we're going to have alignment on a scale of 10 or something else. Yeah. So it, it, it's not quite the same, but this idea is the same, that if you're focusing on alignment rather than information sharing, it changes how you think about the reason to have the meeting and how you're going to run the meeting. And the same is true for connection. And I want to tell a story about this one. Please. One of the organizations that we've worked with had their weekly team meetings. And after working with us, they realized that this meeting was really not helpful. Nobody was enjoying it. It really wasn't making a difference in how people were working. So we worked with the team leaders to say, well, why are you even having it then? Can you just cut it out completely? And they said, no, because it's the only time that all of our staff get together in the same room. And so they decided instead of having this weekly meeting that was actually really boring and not helpful, that what they wanted to do was have a connection meeting. And connection meetings are all about building relationships and getting to know people better. And so they shifted to a once a month, they call it family reunion meeting. And they now have wine and pizza after work the first Wednesday of every month. And they have two hours. It starts about four o'clock. And they have about two hours where they just get together as people to hang out and talk about their work and talk about their lives. And that experience has been going so well. They actually said they're thinking about adding a second time in the month because people are really loving it as a way to get to know each other. And it's so much more effective than that weekly meeting go around. All right, this this is great because part of what I'm hearing you say is getting really clear on not only the outcome, but also getting really clear on what's the reason to meet. And one of the things that also leapt out of the book for me was there's six reasons that we have meetings. And you just talked about two of them, alignment and connection. And what I'm hearing you say is in the outcomes, you're using those words. So you're using the words of our purpose in meeting today is to connect. Our purpose in meeting is to align. And maybe you could even tell us about the other four too, because I think that this is, this is good at just getting in the mindset of how do these words play a part in making sure that we're actually doing one of these things in order to get the value out of a meeting. Yeah. And we found it helpful for people to start with one of these six buckets and then write their desired outcome. Because our natural tendency is to think of that kind of why. Why are we having this meeting? And the answer should be one of these six. So we talked about could be to connect or to align. And then to decide, of course, we have decision-making meetings. To ideate or brainstorm, of course. Then we have planning and producing. And these are a little less obvious. So deciding, pretty clear. Ideating or brainstorming, pretty clear. Planning are really around getting to those next steps, that taking whatever information you have going on and really clarifying and writing a, writing a plan, which could be a strategic plan, it could be a work plan, but it's the intent is to really get people aligned on the action items that are going to be happening. 
And then lastly, produce is more about a working session, as some people would call it, where you're getting together and you're enhancing or enriching materials or you're co-creating something from scratch. But at the end of the meeting, you'll have produced some material or you'll have moved some material further down the road. So, so much here already. (laughs) So first of all, get clear on what the outcome is. Get clear on which of these six are primary, either chiefly or or at least the the first thing to think about starting with a noun and being as specific and quantifiable as possible on the outcome. And you emphasized the word plan a minute ago, and I'm struck by how much of this happens before the meeting even begins. In fact, I don't think we're going to even talk much today about what to do during the meeting. It's more of how do you plan for a meeting in order to get the best kind of outcomes and to utilize everyone's time well. And of course, there's tactics to use during the meeting and after the meeting too. But if you spend some of this time in advance thinking about this and defining it clearly, then you have a much higher percentage of this going smoothly. And and part of the reason for doing this, of course, too, is to make some decisions in advance. And one of the decisions we all need to make when we're putting together a meeting is thinking of who we're going to invite. Once it's clear what the outcome is and what you want to have happen, what's the thinking we should go through of who goes on the invite list? So if we talk about who to invite to the meeting, the clearer you are in your agenda and that desired outcome, the easier it will be to know who are the right people to invite. Because there are really three different kinds of people that can come to your meeting or that need to be involved in some way, shape, or form with the meeting. There are people who need to be consulted. There are people who need to be informed. And there are people who need to be engaged. Yeah. What's the distinction between those three? So people who need to be consulted you need to get information from them or you need to get approval or something. There's something you need from them, but they don't need to be in the meeting. So these are people like you might need to talk to your manager and get feedback, or you might need to talk to somebody in the budgeting department or in the finance department or in the graphic design department to find out what's possible. So you need to engage them, but they don't actually need to sit through the meeting. You just have to get some information or share what you're doing and make sure that they're okay with it. So for example, if you're proposing a timeline for a project and you are going to need resources from the marketing department, you might want to check in with someone from marketing to make sure that your proposed timeline is going to work. That doesn't mean someone from marketing needs to come sit in your meeting. It just means you need to get approval or make sure that they're okay with what you're proposing before you go in and say, okay, team, here's what I'm proposing. That's actually not going to work at the end. That's a key distinction because oftentimes the default answer, in fact, the only answer for most people is, oh, I'm going to invite this person to the meeting to sit in, when in fact, they don't really need to be in the meeting. Exactly. And that's where a lot of people get invited to meetings they don't need to be in is because you kind of throw a wide net and you think, oh, well, we're going to, you know, it's going to have to have someone from marketing because we're thinking about how marketing's going to help us with this and we're going to need someone from this team or... I'm just going to invite everybody from my team, even though I don't even need my all of my own team to be here just because that's what I do. I'm an inclusive leader, so I'm going to invite everybody. No one wants to be in a meeting they don't actually need to be in. That's not making anyone feel good or included. It's actually often really the opposite where people feel like really frustrated that you're disrespecting their time. So the second kind of person is somebody who needs to be informed. So someone who needs to be informed needs to be told after the meeting, what are the outcomes? So this could be another people on your other people on your team whose work is going to be done in parallel or whose work is going to be informed by the decisions that were made or the plans that were created. Or it could be, again, a senior person who you need to send up the line and just make sure that they know this is what happened and we're just keeping you informed so that you know where we're headed with this project. 
But again, they don't need to be in the meeting. They just need to know what the outcomes of those meetings are. And then the third person is the person who needs to be engaged. And these are the people that need to be in the meeting. And those are the people who have real information that needs to be wrestled with or shared where you need ideas or engagement and participants are building off of each other's or questioning each other's contributions so that you're coming to some conclusion together. And if you're thinking about your meeting participants in these ways, it's kind of three different categories. You only want to invite the ones who need to be engaged. Now, the one caveat is to make sure that you invite the decision makers. I've heard story after story, and it seems so unusual. I'm like, how could you possibly do this? But I've heard so many stories about teams where they get in, they have a meeting, and then they realize the person who's ultimately going to sign off of this isn't in the meeting. And so then they come up with a recommendation, which is basically making the decision without the decision maker. Then they go to the decision maker, and they have to have the entire conversation again because the decision maker wasn't there, and they have to go through all of the reasons why this is a good decision and why all the things they considered they decided not to do. And you end up spending twice as much time because the decision maker wasn't in the room to begin with. Well, and this is such a this is such a case for what you're talking about here with and preparing for meetings and having the outcomes because in order to figure out who those three people are, you need to have done some thinking about that in advance. And especially if you're gonna consult with someone, that often has to happen in advance of the meeting, right? And then the informed piece is going to have to happen afterwards. So there's some piece of that that needs to be figured out logistically. So this is just a, a more of a case for why you need to think through all this in advance in order to actually maximize people's time. Exactly. The other thing I'm thinking about as far as consciousness on this is the first time you sent me a meeting invite, I was really impressed because it was clear what the outcome was, how we're going to spend our time. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> and, it, and it made me think uh, in the context of meetings, how rare that is. I almost never get meeting invitations like that. And so on the opposite side, thinking about this as almost all of us attend meetings as well that other people put together, when we get that invite... And it's not at all clear what the outcome is, and it's not at all clear on what people are trying to do. How can we still honor like the politics of the organization, but at the same time, maybe push back a little bit to get more clarity? Yeah. So we often get invited to meetings and we don't even know what's going on and we show up and then you realize this is not a good use of your time. So some of the things that we've seen people do successfully. So one is always to ask. And you can ask in a way that's not an aggressive, why are we having this meeting? You can ask in really kind ways, like, I want to make sure that I'm prepared and ready to contribute. Can you help me understand why I've been invited to this meeting? Mm. Or I want to make sure that I, you know, I'm prepared and can you tell me a little bit more about what you hope to achieve in this meeting? Not what you want to do in this meeting, but what you want to achieve in this meeting. So asking those questions to the meeting leader can help them define and be more clear about why you particularly were invited, or what they want to accomplish. You can also offer up ideas. So if you think you know what this meeting is about, you can check in and say, hey, meeting leader, it's my understanding that the reason we're having this meeting is to accomplish X. Am I accurate in that understanding? And if not, could you please clarify what it is that you want to achieve in this meeting? So if it feels better to you to offer something first and have them have that yes or no option or ability to clarify, that's another way that feels very kind and generous rather than aggressive and kind of like, I don't want to go to this meeting. Why do I have to be here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that kind of approach. And and again, thinking about it, like Dale Carnegie taught us about it, like thinking of things from the other person's perspective. So 
offering some ideas, also asking like, you know, how can I help prepare so we can really achieve what you want to achieve in this meeting? And I'm guessing there are still points though where you maybe don't get that clarity or you find that it's that you're not going to be helpful and you want to opt out. Have you found that there's anything that's really helpful for people of kind of starting to consider opting out to some of the meetings that they may not be really valuable in contributing on? Oh, yes, absolutely. So if it's your manager who's calling the meeting, going to your manager and helping having them help you prioritize your work. So again, you're coming to them and saying, I have a lot of things going on. As you know, I'm working on projects A, B, and C, or right now we're really deep into project A. I know this is a big priority and we're running up with some deadlines. I need some help making some decisions because I'm not sure. I was invited to this meeting that you're having next week on blah, blah, whatever it is. And I'm really not sure how I'm going to be able to make all of this work. What is your priority? Would you prefer for me to be in this meeting, even if it means that we're going to have to push a little bit? Or is it okay if I focus on getting this work done? And ask them to help you prioritize because sometimes your manager will clearly start to see like, oh, this is an unreasonable thing. I don't need them to be in this meeting. Sure, I'm perfectly fine for you to opt out. And it's even better if you offer other ways to contribute to the meeting. So if there's anything that I can share ahead of time, I'd be happy to look over the pre-materials or I'd be happy to you know, weigh in. And I'm also comfortable with whatever outcome the meeting achieves. So if it's a decision-making meeting and you're opting out, letting them know you are not going to pressure, you're not going to push back on whatever the team decides for a decision or for next steps or whatever assignments that you get allocated, you're going to be fine with them because you're, you're consciously opting out. So always talk to your manager if it's their meeting. If it's somebody else's meeting, this is another good time to go talk to your manager and say, this is what all the things on my plate. I'm really not sure what to do about this meeting. Can you help me navigate this? Because that's what your manager's job is there to do. They're supposed to help you remove roadblocks, reprioritize, and get all of your work done in a timely and reasonable manner. All right. This is great. So we're going to have a few action items for folks. Before we get to the action items, one more thing I want to ask you about is pre-work. You know, no one likes homework, <laughs> but at the end of the day, pre-work can actually be really helpful of maximizing time for everyone. One of the things I thought was really interesting that you talk about in your work is that giving people some time to think about things, whether it's actually working in advance or just thinking about something, if you give people 24 to 48 hours to consider an idea that they're going to be talking about in a meeting, that that can really help, it sounds like. It can. It's the same idea of like, let me sleep on it, right? Let me have some time for my brain to process this information. When you hear something new, a lot of things can happen, right? You're trying to understand this information and make sense of it. Sometimes you have an emotional response to it, which isn't necessarily the response that you would want to share with your team or share in the meeting, but it's the response that is most natural for you. So when you give people pre-reading or pre-work to do, you're giving them time to engage with the content and the material and then come into the meeting having digested it, having had time to process through and be clear about what it is they want to share about their reflections or whatever it is that you've asked them to do. So if it's material that they're going to consume, definitely give people time to read it. And it's even more helpful to give them, in addition to whatever the reading is, questions to consider. It's really frustrating. I get invited to meetings like this where I get a pre-reading and it's like, please see the attached document. I'm like, great. Okay, I'm going to read this material. But what am I supposed to be thinking about? Am I supposed to be looking at this as background and just kind of context setting? Or am I supposed to be looking at this with a really critical eye and trying to figure out what are some of the challenges that we might face as a team because of the reading? It's so hard to know if 
what the reviewer or what the meeting leader wants you to do with this material. So if you give people clear instructions, just like clarifying that desired outcome, give them clear instructions with the pre-work. Is this required reading or is it optional reading? What questions do you want them to think about when they're looking through it? How much time do you expect it to take? This is my favorite. I love when people tell me, I'm giving you a pre-reading and it's going to take about five minutes to do and think about this question. Mm. Super different than when you get material and I think it's going to take me five minutes and I open it up and it's a 67-page document, which honestly has happened before. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get through all of this before the meeting because I didn't plan enough time. I didn't go that far to open it up ahead of time. I scheduled 15 minutes on my calendar to do pre-work. And then I open up the document. I'm like, oh my God, this isn't going to work. Give people super clear instructions on pre-work so that they have the time and the capacity to digest it and come in prepared. Yeah. And even little things like making it easy. Like if you're going to send seven attachments, at least make the titles clear, make it clear what attachment is what and why you're sending all seven. <laughs> you know, it's because everyone's swamped on their email boxes and there's just a limited amount of time we have. So that, that clarity is really helpful in affecting outcome. Mamie, this is awesome. So we have talked a ton about planning for meetings today. We have not talked a lot about what you do during a meeting, what after the, what to happen after the meeting. There's a ton more resources for people to grab in your work. And um, two things that people can get access to right away that'll help. One is uh, a ch- the chapter of the book on your website. And the second is your podcast. Can you uh, share a little bit about both with uh, us? Absolutely. So our book, Momentum, Creating Effective, Engaging, and Enjoyable Meetings is available on Amazon. And as you said, clearly, there's a ton of wonderful content. It is not a boring read. I guarantee it. You will learn a lot. It's really action-oriented. And there are tons of examples and action lists. So it's, it's really a wonderful tool to use. And we also suggest that teams read it together. Um, we really encourage people to think about meetings, not as a one-person show. And we've talked a lot about meeting leaders today. But really, creating effective meetings is something that an entire team can do together. So definitely check out the book on our website, meteor.com. You can go to the book page and you can download a free chapter there. Again, it's available on Amazon as well. And The Modern Manager is my podcast where I talk about all things related to being a rock star manager with a thriving team. So we definitely touch on meetings, but we touch on lots of other things around creating a culture of respect and accountability and how you as an individual can really strengthen your team so that people really thrive and flourish, but you also achieve extraordinary outcomes. I was telling Mamie offline that I'm so glad that uh, you've started this show and that the word manager is in the title because there is this bias in the the organizational world that you know leadership's good, management is not good. And the reality is both are really important and there are not enough conversations happening around really good, solid management skills on podcasts out there. So I'm so glad that you're starting this. I'm really excited to see what you do with it. And so we'll put links to both of those in the weekly leadership guide for everyone this week, uh, both to the chapter of the book and to the podcast. Mamie, I am curious, as you uh, as you and Ty have gotten this book out there and you've been working with clients over the last year or so in the context of all this material, what have you learned and what have you maybe even changed your mind on in the last year or so that you weren't thinking before you started uh, doing all this work? Well, so one thing that I've learned is that even though meetings are a huge part of our culture, that nobody wants to accept responsibility for their meetings. And even though all of the stuff that you'll read in our book isn't rocket science, getting people to do anything about it is really hard. 
And the reason I say that is because I kind of knew this ahead of time. We'd done lots of research. We'd worked with lots of teams and people talk about, oh, it's always someone else's meeting that's so terrible and people don't want to take ownership. But even the teams that we've worked with since the book's come out on developing effective meeting practices, it's still surprising how many of them say, I have the agenda template. You showed me how to use it. You facilitate great meetings with us. And yet still, I can't seem to make it work with my team. And the interesting about this to me is that it actually tells me that people really need, it's like they need that extra encouragement. They really need to see that how much time they're wasting because it's painful, of course. But the idea of spending 10 minutes planning an agenda somehow feels more painful. And my husband, who is one of my biggest fans, describes it as like moving a rock up a hill. Mm. That when you're at the bottom, you just don't want to push that rock. You just don't want to plan that agenda, even though you know exactly what to do. And yet, once you get the ball to the top of the hill, it is going to roll down the mountain faster than you can keep up with it. And that's exactly what happens with meetings. And so we're thinking a lot more at Meteor about providing a community and how we can really support leaders who are trying to plan good meetings to implement what they're learning. Because we all know we should have an agenda and still people don't do it. So knowledge is not enough. So that's one of the big things that I think we've been learning is that it's important to read the book. It's important to learn all these skills and learn how to do it. But that sometimes you need to have an accountability partner. Sometimes you need to have a community of people who are saying, you know what? This is serious stuff. We spend, you know, 20 hours a week in meetings. Let's do something about this. Let's not just let it roll over us. Let's push that rock up the hill and make our meetings better. Mamie Canfer Stewart is the author with Ty Sow of Momentum, creating effective, engaging, and enjoyable meetings. Mamie, thanks a ton. This is great. Thanks so much, Dave. It's a lot of fun. Are you finding that meetings aren't well utilized in your organization, or maybe you're even having that conversation internally right now? If so, this episode might be a good one to pass along to your colleagues. Thanks in advance if you do. In addition, you might benefit from some of the past conversations we've had on facilitating meetings and management skills here on Coaching for Leaders, uh, several related episodes you'll want to check out. If you go into the podcast library, you will see a whole section on facilitating meetings and under management skills. One of the episodes that will come up when you get in there is episode number 192, How to Create Team Guidelines. My friend Susan Gerke was on that show walking us through, especially for those of us who are taking over a team or maybe establishing a team for the first time, how to start establishing guidelines and norms within that team in order for everyone to benefit not only in the moment, but of course ongoing. And one of those guidelines is how do you set up a expectation and a framework for effective meetings and conversations? And of course, there's so much more at a broader level in that conversation too. It's one of the episodes I find that I pass along regularly and uh, folks have talked about on the Saturday cast. So if that is you, you're in that situation where you're taking over a new team or you're going to be, episode 192 is a very good starting point and great complement to today's conversation. I'd also recommend episode 212, How to Maximize Standing Meetings and More Questions. That's a Q&A show, but the very first question in that episode revolves around how to do a better job with standing meetings. And Mamie and I talked about a lot of tactics you can use for planning today. And in spite of that, I know that there are a lot of folks and organizations that the experts 
expectation is you have a standing meeting every week and you do the status check and everyone talks about where they've been and their numbers. And we talked a little about that in today's conversation is why you want to maybe get away from that a little bit. Uh, If you're in that place and either you can't move away from that model or you're just trying to tweak it a little bit, you can't do some of the things we talked about today. Episode 212 is a good starting point because it'll give you a three-step framework for how to start making use a little bit better of that standing meeting and how you get some real dialogue out of it to create learning and growth and helping people learn from failure and even do a little bit of coaching within a meeting. So uh, check that out as well. Also of value to you might be episode 246. That's also under the facilitating meetings tab, a little different perspective. On that episode, we talked about the way to conduct one-on-ones. My guest was Zvi Ban. He's the CEO of Contactually. And Zvi was on that episode talking about how they, as an organization, have really changed their mindset on how they establish one-on-ones and expectations for one-on-ones between managers and employees. If that's something you find yourself doing a lot of, which many of you do, I know, uh, that's one of the most common meetings leaders find themselves in is those one-on-one meetings. Uh, That's another really helpful framework for how to maximize the results that you and probably more importantly, the people you're leading are getting out of those regular interactions. Again, that's episode 246. Lots more in the podcast library. If you already have access, you know that. You can search by topic. If you don't, you'll want to get access. The very best way to do that is just go over to coachingforleaders.com. You can set up your free membership right now. It'll give you immediate access to all the past podcasts sorted by topic. It'll also give you access to my weekly leadership guide, all of the book notes of the books that I read, including uh, today's episode, and so much more. Uh, in addition, you'll get access to my uh, course, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead, which will get you started on many of the lessons that we've presented here on the show over the last uh, seven, eight years now, since 2011. And it's a great starting point, especially if you've just started listening to the show recently. Again, you can find that all at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, one more quick technology recommendation for you. If you are an iPhone user and have not yet discovered the Overcast app for podcast listening, I'd highly recommend it. It is a free app, and it's the one Bonnie and I both use for all of our personal listening. The default podcast app you get on an iPhone these days has gotten a lot better in the last few years, uh, but Overcast has some awesome features you don't get on Apple's default app. My favorite one by far is a feature called Smart Speed which slightly reduces the spacing of silence between speakers in regular conversation as you listen. I I know that sounds a little weird, and I was very skeptical at first when I first heard about it, but it is absolutely amazing. You simply cannot tell the difference when you listen because it does it in such a small way, Uh, but it reduces the actual listening time of most podcasts by 5 to 10% without you knowing. So uh, give Overcast a try if you use an iPhone. And if you do, Overcast has a little star button. You can click on any episode you listen to on the app, which lets others know that it was useful to you. So if you use Overcast and found this conversation helpful, I'd be grateful if you hit the star button. That'll help others benefit from planning better meetings as well. And thanks in advance if you do. 
Next week, Bonnie and I are back for our monthly Q&A show. We take the first Monday of every month to respond to your questions. If you've got a question for us that today's conversation has generated or maybe uh, anything in relation to leadership, I hope you'll submit your question for consideration to us. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback in order to get that our way. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and see you next week for Questions with Bonnie. Take care.